The question is this, what is it that has some of us find our way to the top of our game, to overcome adversity and challenges, resistance and self-sabotage, to rise from the ashes time and time again? What is it that has everyday people just like you and I act boldly in the name of their passions and live out their wildest dreams in this lifetime? That is the question, and this podcast has the answers. My name is Carrie McCauley, and this is Choose Unstoppable. Hello, and welcome to Choose Unstoppable. My name is Carrie McCauley, and you guys, I am here today with Yemi Penn, and are you in for a treat? She is an engineer by profession, an entrepreneur by passion and mindset transformation coach by mission. But my gosh, that intro does not do this powerhouse woman credit. She's a seven figure a year entrepreneur and has a story that would stop many of us in our tracks. I can't wait to share her journey with you as well as her success tips. Yemi, welcome, welcome. And thank you so much for being here. Yeah, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for having the time. I think I am always in awe of anyone that creates the platform for people to use their voice. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Okay, so I'm not going to lie. I did some stalking on you this morning, <laughs> and I'm the first to say I've fallen madly in love. So if you see me continuing to stalk you, that's why it will be me. I'll just admit that to you now. If I'm ever like peeking through your window, wondering what you're doing. Don't be freaked out. Uh, okay, uh, the awkward blushing I've got going on right now. <laughs> but, <yes. laughs> uh, but what I really would love for the listeners at home to experience is your story to where you are today. And, you know, you obviously have reached, you know, some epic heights in business. And we will talk about some of those tips and um, what that looks like today. But I would love people to hear from you kind of what that path looked like to get to here. So if you could just take us back a little and share some of your stories, share some of your journey of how you got here, uh, I'd be so yeah. grateful and I know they would too. Okay, great. Well, thank you. I mean, firstly, I like to always start off, everyone has a story. I mean, everyone does. If we just stopped long enough, we would probably realize that a movie could be made out mm -hmm. of our lives. And most of us probably haven't even hit the halfway mark yet. But mine, I mean, there's definitely a story before, but I guess a pivotal point for me was, was motherhood, was falling pregnant with my first child in 2007. I was social. I had graduated from uni. You know, I'd already started to fracture this memo. I call this this memo that we've been told how to live life, which is get married, have 2.4 kids, white picket fence, nine to five, work your ass off till retirement, then you pass the baton on to your kids. And I'd already screwed that up royally because I I didn't get married. I I was in love and and had my daughter and things got hard. I mean, I, I don't know how many of your listeners are parents here. Or, I mean, if, even if they're not parents, they know someone who's a parent and they can see the joy, but also the struggle. But for me, um, becoming a mum guess, created a version 2.0 of Yemi that I just didn't even know she had to turn into. And on top of that came the challenges in the relationship and, and family. And so there was a period that I was homeless in when while I was pregnant because what happened and when we use, when we talk about our culture, so my, my culture has always been really strong. So I'm originally, well, born in the UK, but ethnically from Nigeria. Culturally, you follow the memo you know, you get married and then you have kids. Now, this is 
a lot of cultures, but this was like really stern. And I'd gone outside. I'd had the kid before marriage. And my parents weren't impressed. Um, at that time, I was still at home. And it was it was uh, a loving but stern, okay, you, you, you got to find you got to find yourself. And I couldn't afford, I couldn't afford the money. I just graduated from university. I mean, I was blessed enough to have a job. Um, and that probably was a turning point for me when I thought, wow, so I'm out here with a degree. I've got a job. Yeah, I still can't pay rent the way everybody else can. Um, and yeah, I, I had to register homeless, got put in a few hostels, um, in environments that I wouldn't actively choose to be in. And so that that was probably the starting point and the brain started, but I wouldn't have known then. I know so much more now, but then it was just survival. It was sink or swim. And if we all have it, which we all do, whether it's a gene or a DNA strand or something, there's a resilience thing that for me probably got switched on to one of the highest levels at that point. It was, okay, you either... You either lay low and go, or you work on a different spectrum to get where you want. Um, and, and look, the journey, the journey goes on from there. I started a company where I went into schools teaching kids fitness. Um, that didn't obviously make me the millions that I thought I would. And, and yeah, changed jobs, separated, became a single mum. Oh gosh, the story could go everywhere. Yeah. But that, that is the beginning. It's, uh, it's always so interesting to hear how much, you know, the trials and tribulations shape who we become. And Absolutely. while we're in them, you know, clearly they feel like the darkest windows and they oftentimes are, but they're like, just listening to your story, they're most times so necessary in shaping and creating who we become that without it's like you cannot get you know the six-pack abs and the great body without doing that work at the gym there's just no other way wow. and it's almost as though you cannot become the you know the, the powerhouse that you have become without those you know proverbial years in the gym of of, yeah. the, of the knocks and struggles of life I, I'd love to ask you a question because I think many of us, when they're faced with what you were faced with, and you, mm. you, you know, I think you nailed it, like we're, we're left with that decision of either that switch activates, or, yeah. you know, we crumble, like truly, and yeah. some of us stay there for decades, some yeah. of us stay there for, you know, months, and some of us stay there for weeks. And what do you think it was about you that gave you the courage to listen to that and just start taking and just start taking action. Uh, oh, I love everything you're saying. I'm definitely going to be super stalking you afterwards as well. <laughs> um, I think it was modeling. I think it was seeing what other people did. I'm very much an introvert. I'm an introvert, but when I need to come out and speak, I will tap into the energy. So what I did as an introvert was, was watch people. I remember being in Nigeria for a certain part, and I remember this woman who lived in a compound because it's very much community living where I grew up parts in Nigeria. And this woman would have a business at, underneath this building. And I'm thinking, she's not following the memo. Once again, wouldn't have had the vocabulary, but something did not seem right, even though it was hella right. Mm. And without once again just knowing, it just, that, that has, has just, 
in some way in my brain that this woman in the 80s was running a business as a single parent. She didn't have a husband. She didn't appear to be embarrassed about it. And so I think those people subconsciously were in my mind. Similarly with men, whether it was really kind men who were doing work and they were, you know, whether it was, you know, looking after their kids, something stayed in my memory bank. And so for me, the resilience come switches on the resilience gene switches on when I think well other people have done it because I I think from a lot of the work I've been doing and you know I'm sure we'll touch on it recently I've started going into the work of trauma I believe a lot of us are one of our biggest fear is loneliness on some capacity it doesn't have to be the physical it could just be the mental it's like is anyone going to hear me and so for me it was a case of well okay, I'm, I'm not alone. So all of a sudden I find comfort. And it doesn't mean I'm trying to find comfort in misery, but it just means there are people that have gone through this before. It really reduces how big the issue is. And trust me, Kerry, I am going through some ish at the moment mm. that I'm just trying to sit in the discomfort and remind myself that actually I've had a bit worse and there are other people going through it. So why don't I really lean on a community? That was such a long-winded answer, but hopefully someone gets something from it. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I'm like, seriously, sitting with goosebumps. I mean, the whole reason I started this platform is exactly for that, so that people can have a space to model from so that they can look at women like yourself and, you know, the men and many men and women who have been on this program and just witness in moments, oh, here's something that they did, or they've found their way out, or, you know, they didn't see shame in that, whatever those things are. And, you know, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and just thinking about the imprinting, like the moments of imprinting, and how young they start, and how important it is just to model, or even if it's not going to be me, to be putting them in instances where they can be like, huh, maybe that's a little different than the way I've done it. And I think you're absolutely right. Those subconsciously, you know, start playing like movies when we need to find that courage, when we need to um, dig deeper than we could ever consciously do. And I'm so grateful that you had those and that you were able to kind of walk yourself through that. Um, and then, I mean, I could, I'd already know I could talk to you for hours, but just what you said about loneliness and just the, the loneliness of the mind, as opposed to necessarily like some of us can be surrounded by family, friends, and loved ones and having hit like just deep, deep loneliness and experience deep loneliness. Um, so I, if we can, I would love to shift into like, what is some of the work you've been doing around now around trauma and just to expand that conversation of loneliness. Cause I think it's such a critical and important one for so many of us, cause there's shame in feeling lonely. Yeah. There's shame as though it's not part of the gig and like, yeah. how can I be surrounded by my kids and my loving husband and still feel this deep sense of loneliness? Ah. Uh. Oh gosh, we could, you're definitely right, we could go all day. But if I just bring myself back to center. Um, so the work I've just done, I've just released my first documentary and it's titled, Did I Choose My Trauma? And the question alone has had a range of people lean in or lean out. Either way, we are having a conversation that we have been too uncomfortable to have. And that's exactly what I wanted to do is to bring 
to light a conversation, but with a really compassionate place. So the documentary is just a pilot one, and there's a call to action that there's so much more work we can do where we don't have to wait for politicians or governments or agencies. Like, we are the majority. Mm. If anyone's listening to your podcast, they are the majority, and people need to remember that. But the reason why I bring trauma up, because not just because of 2020, um, it's a case of, I think that's one of the biggest elephants in the room. You know, I'm doing a TEDx in Florida in a couple of weeks and, and the stats I, I share is, and this is in the US, that more than 70% of adults in the US have experienced trauma. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole point of my talk is that one person's trauma is no bigger than the other. And so what we are doing is either having competitions on whose trauma is bigger and as a result, not resolving our own. I mean, regardless of how minute it might be. And, and that's actually triggering, triggering a number of mental health issues and concerns that we're just, we're just not addressing. And so my work, even though I was very reluctant, like extremely reluctant to do this work because I was scared I would be shamed. Mm. I was really scared I would be shamed. I mean, there've been so many movements that have come out that have been necessary but it's actually made me hide. And I realized very quickly that if I don't use my voice, especially if I've got guides past and present, then it's, it's wasted and we don't, we don't go anywhere. So my, my work that I've now put my hand up to is to start creating platforms globally for people to have the space to use their voice. Because when you use your voice, you release the power of whatever mm-hmm. traumatic event has happened. And I'm saying enough's enough. Your your unresolved trauma is actually is dulling the light of the gift you've got to give. Um, took me a while to to pick that up, but um, I'm I'm ready to yeah share it wide and loud. Oh, I'm so impressed and so proud of you as a human, as a human spirit, to look in the mirror and decide that you're going to be the one. I think there is nothing that takes more courage than to say to yourself, I Mm. will be the one. Okay, you know, I'm getting getting emotional now. And it's funny because I like to say I rarely do. And the reason why I'm getting emotional is because what you just did there is you saw me. Mm. You saw me. And um, I believe that's what a lot of us want. And I, I know it sounds needy, you know, my daughter who's 13, she calls me savage. So it's not like I can, it's not like I'm overly like emotional all the time, but I, I do. And for you to see me makes me feel like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm living, I'm living out my birthright. And I want everyone to feel that. Yeah. I really do. So thank you. For I mean, thank you. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't want to go on to a love fest of like, no, you, you're better. <laughs> But I genuinely think that through opening yourself and your story, you allow others to witness and in bearing witness, like has this reciprocal opening of a window to see another. And it is just as enlivening as and fulfilling and enriching to authentically and truly see another. Uh, I think your work is profoundly important and, um, you know, under highlighted, which is clearly not a term, but I'm just going to say it. Uh, I will take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, there's just not enough focus on these kinds of, of conversations. So I, I have to ask you, because I think many of us get these burning 
kind of insights or callings and the fear of saying, I'll, I'll be the one or the fear of saying it for longer than the 10 seconds that you do. And maybe you go and research it, or maybe you tell one other person and they give you like a, a, you know, whatever it is. I think we can, some of us can at least muster it for the 10 seconds to be like, this is, this is my download. I'm taking this one. How did you hang on to it? Uh, It's, it's a daily grind. You know, even you just saying some of the things you were saying, like literally no word of a lie imposter syndrome just comes out of my mind and so firstly I just I don't I don't create a big deal about it I just note that it's there so I really so one one of the tools when I'm I'm doing workshops I talk about is taking the role of the observer I read that from um I forget the name of the book Michael Singer's book um Untethered Soul it was one of the biggest the biggest lessons for me was to hold the role of observer, because I think, and I could be wrong, most of us, it's the imposter syndrome. But then if we come down to to what it really is for me, and, and maybe some people can resonate, is I'm wondering, well, why me? Like, what's so special about me? That's what I'm thinking. But what I've also realized is that I managed to tell myself that it's actually other people who are thinking that. And what I haven't accepted is that they might not actually be thinking it. It's what I think. So I need to work on me and and my ability to accept that. So I I literally go through this process every single day. But what the skill that becomes, um, I guess, because I repeat it, it becomes a skill, is I now am able to do it quicker. So just the conversation you and I had, I very quickly had to have that internal conversation. I now replace my why me to it is I, it it is me. Like end of story, it is me. Because our dreams choose us. You didn't, I know you probably think you decided to do a podcast. The podcast idea came to your mind. It was like, hey, Carrie, yeah, we, yeah, we've been trying to holler at you for a hot minute. Can you get this up and running? And so now I replace it as opposed to when why me comes in, well, it, it is me. Can we just get over that and let's keep moving? And, and that's, that's how I'm doing it now. Yeah, it really is. There comes a point and, and I agree for, for myself, it comes up daily. Some days I'm better at it than others. But there are some days where it just literally has to be one foot in front of the other, regardless of what I think about what I'm doing, regardless what I think about myself and my capabilities. It is just almost like autopilot mode because this, what I'm thinking in my head is not helping. And so it just has to be just do the next thing, just do the next thing, almost like, you know, like zombie mode until I can plug back into myself and be like, okay, no, wait a minute. Everything's good. We're good here. Uh, Yeah. I, I'm I'm really grateful for that because this kind of sense of being the one isn't always the most natural thing. When you look at others, it's not just that they have something that you know we don't. Mm. It's just that they've chosen to somehow park all of the same thoughts and feelings that come up yeah. in in. I remember, moments. we're trying to we are trying to unlearn a lot. I mean so much. I mean, I know women and men, we are unlearning a lot. There's a new paradigm shift and whether it was always meant to have shifted, but either way it is. And so let's be kind to ourselves in the process because, you know, we watch, you needed to be special. Even to today when I'm trying to figure out how many members, followers should I be having to be seen as successful? You know, we're still living this thing that you, you had to be chosen. You are chosen already, regardless. Mm. Oh, so beautiful. Okay. So I want to talk about your work. 
Um, I want to know everything, but obviously we can't talk for days. Um, so what is it that you do? What is it that kind of compiles to this like seven figure a year empire that you've created from nothing? How on <laughs> earth? What is it? So I do a number of things and you, you know, you did the intro brilliantly. So I'm an, I'm an engineer by profession. I already got a bit rebellious. My dad was a lawyer and he wanted me to carry on. And I just, there was something in me that wanted to do engineering. And to be honest, I think it, weirdly enough, I think there's a spiritual element. I love the idea of manifestation. I think it's extremely powerful that humans can think of a concept of an idea and you have it at the end. But what's even more powerful is the different kind of people that are in that whole life cycle of coming to that. And so for me at the moment, I do a lot of work on railways in, in the rail industry in Australia and the UK. So engineering is my thing. Now, I guess if I, and this is where I really want to be open and honest and we need more dialogue like that. I, I moved to Australia and I, I was I got a job. I was blessed. I got a job. I was um, on a six-figure salary really great but then I found that it wasn't about the money it was about the freedom of choice for the work I wanted to do in the type of project and how I wanted to do it and I remember um, someone saying to me they don't understand why I don't work for myself because I don't like being told what to do and that was the biggest gift that person ever gave me even if they were joking I held on to that and I weirdly sat down and did some mental calculation not even mathematical just like life jigsaw puzzle moving around and it turned out that the only reason why I had not started my own business was because of the risk and so I started to um, go and look at the definition of risk and I thought well this doesn't really sound right the definition is just tell, telling me about all the things that go wrong but if I look at Mr Branson and I look at Oprah and I look at all these other people they had nothing they took risk and then I had to have a conversation with myself. Well, what's the worst that can happen? And what's my biggest fear? My biggest fear is dying alone. Okay, I think setting up a business doesn't equal me dying alone. <laughs> so I literally had to go through all of that and set up my own consultancy. And that probably was the biggest um, mental clarity it gave me, but then also allowed me to, to double, you know, triple, sometimes even four times my income. Um, and, and then the growth would have gone from there. And, and it, I, I've learned more about myself. I actually like receiving money and almost letting it go as, as quickly as it comes. <laughs> my and husband where, would say I'm the same. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, but I, I think that's the whole energy flow. You, I it love comes it. Yeah, and goes. And so, and from there, it was a case of, I think, and money, I talk about money story. I'm still working on my money story because then my money story said, if you have any money at the end of the month, it means you haven't paid a bill. So what I would do is I'd start creating bills. So I had to start having work. And then that's what got me into the real entrepreneurship of, okay, I wanted to open a gym. How can I open a gym? Came across F45, loved it. But because for some reason, I think I signed a contract in a previous life to do things that are not easy routes. I opened one in London, even though I live in Sydney. Yeah. And when I did that, I was like, okay, so this ain't even about entrepreneurship. This is about how far will my mind mm. allow me to bend reality? And I'm just playing with it now. I'm like, okay, how much can I go? And I'm still bricking it the whole way. Yeah. <laughs> still bricking it. Yeah. But and 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 look, since then it's it's been write a book, podcast, opened a cafe in Sydney recently, did the documentary. So literally I, I'm because this is what juices me up, it's okay. Well, I was given this gift of life. Yeah. 
how far am I going to take it? And yeah, so I do a lot of things. Oh, I'm so inspired. I love like just the spirit of entrepreneurship that lives within you as, um, as a, almost as an exercise of how far can I go? How, what can I possibly be capable of here? And all of it almost as a desire just to stretch and to see like, how far can I stretch without breaking and just continue to expand and expand and expand. It becomes, and I think many entrepreneurs will be able to relate with this. It becomes almost the pursuit of yeah. you know, what's possible that is yeah. just as rewarding as sometimes just the fulfillment of our calling or what it's supposed to be. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, no, beautif- beautifully said. I think what I think I have to take that the pursuit of full fulfillment is no longer the pursuit of happiness. And, and I learned this from Tony Robbins going to some of his events. It's the pursuit of fulfillment. I know there's a balance because I, ha- I have to be honest with you. I, I admit that I, I'm slightly addicted to the sense and the feeling of achievement. Mm -hmm. And so resting becomes, oh, you're not doing anything. But for me, resting is achievement now. So I just, I change my vocabulary all the time so that I don't burn out or or feel unfulfilled. So incredible. And uh, what's your TEDx talk on in a couple of weeks? Just because people can go check that out. Yeah, for sure. So it's TEDx Ocala, Florida. It's actually um, trauma as well. So it's, it's yeah, once again, everything has just come together. I, I, was, I applied for another TEDx in Australia where I live and I wanted to talk about trauma, but I got too worried about, oh, the world's not ready for this conversation. I got shortlisted but didn't get through. Applied to TEDx Florida, Ocala, and, and I got through. So it's uh, to talk about it in a compassionate way. It's a strong call to action. It's going to be a hybrid event, so people will be able to um, log in and watch and I'll be sure to send you the link so I don't know when this will be posted but people will be able to yeah well it, it, it'll be a few weeks out so definitely for okay. those who are listening I'll make sure that the link goes in the show notes and I'll I'll get it from you and I think uh, I, I think it couldn't have been more perfect timing I will definitely um, you know be hanging in on every word so the the world of trauma this comes from your kind of mindset coaching business it does yeah it does oh look it does so if it fits in any business it'll be the transformation bit so this look so doing the documentary once again it would have chosen me the calling and how to do it so it comes I had a traumatic event when I was seven where Mm -hmm. my my power was taken away and it comes back to haunt me every now and again and I kept on like struggling saying well what's the point what am I going to say do I want people like what, what is it? I had to have all those internal conversations. And what's become really clear to me that when I started to resolve, well, firstly, acknowledge and then start to resolve my trauma, which is ongoing, did I start to realize the gifts I had? I didn't know that I had the capacity to become an entrepreneur. I didn't know I had the capacity to generate seven figures. You know, the intent that, you know, what I now need to do is step my game up because the more income I can have, the more I can invest in others. Because finances is that not everyone's in a position to take the risk I did as a single parent and just start your own company and hope that you're going to win contracts. Mm. You know, it, it is tough. I had to work on the mind. So what I want to do is increase my income so that I can invest in others and, and coach more people. But the trauma comes from, I guess, me now, me now really acknowledging the work I've been doing and, and the work continues. It doesn't end. I've got children and we talk about intergenerational trauma 
people don't understand. I think even myself included don't realize that it doesn't have to be the direct trauma that's handed down. But if you didn't respond to your trauma, not only can it affect your bottom line P and L as an entrepreneur, mm. but it might be the gift that keeps giving to future generations, which you, you want to stop. So that's, yeah, that's a big focus for me going into 2021. Yeah, that's incredible. And is the plan or is the current agenda that you're working with people one-on-one through these kinds of conversations or? No. So I'm doing it through workshops. I do offer one-on-one, but very few, because I think I can have a bigger impact Mm -hmm. in groups. However, I'm fully aware that just this trip so far to the US currently in Santa Barbara, I've had a few people have said, please, can you do one-on-one? So if we can accept something, then I I absolutely Mm -hmm. do. But the focus is to run programs, live events. Hopefully we can go back to in-person events. Um, But at the moment, it will be to meet as many groups. I want to reach different tiers because some people can't afford therapy and and the likes. And the documentary I have does have therapists involved. So I make sure I have people across the whole non-traditional, non-traditional. So people can access it at a lower price point. But then those who actually just want the one-on-one, I had a group of businessmen in, in Australia say, can you come and do a session with our group? These are multimillionaires, some billionaires. They, I think they wanted a safe environment mm-hmm. to be able to speak about their trauma and how it can help them release or become, I don't know, more, more aligned to who they're meant to be. So definitely do take one-on-one, but I am looking at, I'm looking at a group similar to what Brene Brown would dare to lead. It's to now start working with people that that's how we can get further reach. Yeah. And I, I sense, you know, there's some shifts going on in the world Mm -hmm. and to keep that momentum, we need to, um, yeah, spread out. So if people want to learn more about you, learn more about your work, where can we go? What, what, what do we do? The best thing to do is to go to my website, which is yemipen.com, Y-E-M-I-P-E-N-N.com. I tend to highlight as many things that I'm doing. But then also Instagram and Facebook, same name, Yemi Pen, right. is the best way. So I tend to highlight what I'm doing here quite often. Okay, well, um, I will be seeing you on all of those platforms for sure. Uh, and I, I just can't thank you enough for the depth of conversation that you've brought with us today um, and the depth of work that it's taken to become the woman that you are and you know, I know that uh, you've walked over some coals and um, you have come out uh, just an exceptional woman on the other side. And so thank you for being someone that we can look to, to know for ourselves, like our coals are our gym. This is our workout. And on the other side is whatever, you know, we are put here to do. Um, so just thank you for being here today, truly. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. And for everyone listening at home, I'm sure you're as sad as I am, but this interview is coming to a close. Uh, Yemi, thanks again. I'm a huge fan. And for everyone listening, I will see you in the next episode. And until then, choose Unstoppable. Thank you so much for listening today. It would mean the world to me if you enjoyed the content to please leave a review and a rating and subscribe to the show. It'll help others find us so that we can spread this important message. We'll see you in the next episode. Until then, choose Unstoppable.